You're listening to a Franciscan Voice podcast. Your voice for all things good. The following was inspired by a character of the Bible. The narrative created around this figure is fictional and is not intended to incur historical accuracy. Previously on Light Invisible. My curiosity got the better of me, so I walked over to the elder, unsure of what his business was with me. Help me unload the rest of this cart, and then I will see if I can help you unload what is on your mind, huh? Preparing for the Lord entails a feast, I asked. Heavens, no. These preparations will get you nowhere. Like most things on this earth, it will pass away. But what we prepare for in our hearts will be everlasting. There is one thing I don't quite understand. It was God's plan to bring salvation to the world through his only son. So why was it that he would send his son as a defenseless and ordinary child? Because God wanted to take the whole human journey with us. To make the full sacrifice on this earth, Christ had to make the full commitment. Do me a favor. Try not to solve the mysteries of God all in one day, eh? The elder picked up one of the small crates and handed it to me. Shalom, my brother. And may your preparations lead you to welcome that holy light we all eagerly await. As I strolled through the first alleyway, my path became blocked by a figure that was oddly familiar to me. I recognize the necklace you wear from the soldier in the eastern markets. How did it come into your possession? This is the reason I normally take the alleyways back home. Its quiet path offers one solitude and keeps me from being observed. But now it has welcomed an observer, the woman with the yellow veil. It looked like she wasn't finished shopping in the markets because she held a large netted sack with only a few green pears to fill it. I don't understand. How is it you have seen this necklace before? I think maybe you are mistaken, I said. The woman shook her head with frustration and responded. I know what I saw. This necklace of the wooden lion belonged to the young Roman soldier who had the second patrol in the eastern markets. He is the reason my daughter still breathes today. You are not the only one who walks this alleyway. We must speak elsewhere. The woman quickly turned around and walked in haste to a corner that broke off from the alley. My instinct was to follow her without thinking, but it had never been my nature to do anything without proper evaluation. How do I know she is telling the truth and not just looking for coin? Then again, there are not many necklaces in all of Rome like this one. Are you coming? The young woman shouted. Well, perhaps I'll think on it later. I followed the young woman all the way to a small public courtyard 
which were surrounded by limestone walls. The walls were covered in dark green ivy mines, and in the center of the courtyard was a marble fountain with water pouring out from four different spouts. A pleasant spot. I only hope it is complimented with some pleasant news. If you have news of my son, I ask you to speak truthfully, I asserted. The woman placed her sack of pears on a bench, then took a seat across from me. She didn't seem at all the deceiving kind. In fact, she had the face of someone who was spared from having the ability to lie. I worked in the markets of Macedonia, she said. My husband used to manage a small vineyard that provided plenty for us, but he has since passed. Now I work for a foreign merchant selling produce. It makes just enough so my daughter and I can eat. Every day at noon, two guards would patrol our end of the market. One of them would always come to my stand about midday and purchase a handful of dates. Around his neck, he wore a necklace of a carved lion, the very one you wear around yours. Grabbing my necklace and holding it close to my chest, I was convinced she was telling the truth. If Caius came by her stand almost every day, surely she had plenty of time to study the necklace in detail. Before I ask about this soldier, how is it you have found yourself so far from home? I inquired. Well, that part actually involves the soldier. No more than two days ago, our village was overcome by northern invaders who sought to sack our possessions and destroy anything left over. I was not going to take any chances. So, we started collecting what we could carry, unsure of where we would go. Expecting our journey would be long, I told my daughter to finish packing the rest of our things while I ran to the well to fill up our jugs with water. Her story came to a halt as she tried to keep her tears from surfacing. It seemed like with every word uttered, she was reliving an event she didn't wish to return to. Collecting herself, she then continued, I regret leaving her every time the thought comes to me. After I had filled the two jugs with water, I saw dark smoke rising over the hill where my village lies. They came too quickly. Dropping the jugs, I ran as fast as I could back over the hill. What I saw when I reached the top made me feel as if my whole world was swallowed alive in an instant. Our village was overrun and my house was up in flames with my daughter still inside. As I ran down the hill, I noticed a handful of Roman soldiers outside the gates. They were prepared to defend the village. I knew if I was going to save my daughter, I would need help. I ran up to the soldier with the necklace, who was sharpening his sword, and begged him to come with me and rescue my daughter. And what did he say, I asked with all anxiousness. He didn't. He simply nodded his head, as if to say he was right behind me. I remember feeling great relief, knowing I would not be alone. It was like the smallest light revealing itself in the darkest moment of my life. We both ran in haste until we reached the house. This time the flames had reached the roof and pieces of it were beginning to collapse. 
the soldier, realizing we didn't have much time, ran to the side of the house and attempted to enter through the window. However, his armor kept him from sliding past the window's narrow entrance. Just as I was beginning to think there was nothing more to be done, the soldier did something unexpected. He began removing his armor, knowing it was the only way for him to fit through the window. Before I could say anything, he slipped through the window and vanished behind the cloud of smoke. I was paralyzed from such a selfless action, but also at the reality that my daughter might not return to me. Seconds felt like hours as I waited outside, helpless and consumed with worry. When all seemed lost, my eyes caught sight of my daughter's hands, reaching out from the window seeking rescue. I darted for the window and grabbed my daughter's arms. As I began pulling her out from the window, I noticed a soldier. He was the one lifting my daughter up from above the smoke, making her easily accessible for me to rescue. Finally, retrieving my daughter from the window. But before he could reach out, a large wooden beam from the second floor of the house fell upon him, pinning him to the ground. I tried to get in and help, but the other soldiers who had arrived at the scene pulled me back from the danger of the rising flames. When they cleared us away, the flames had devoured the house. As she spoke these last words, I felt my heart crumble as well. I will never forget such sacrifice for as long as I live. told me how you know this soldier since you now wear his necklace. She said, Caius was someone very close to me. His confidant delivered the necklace to me after his death, I responded. Was that his name? Caius? Yes, it means rejoice. The woman beamed with a large smile and said, Then rejoice we shall. He must have come from a good family. She reflected. He did indeed. We spoke well into the beginning of sunset about family, about struggle, and about faith. It was a moment we both truly cherished, being able to share our pains and solutions for healing. When we both realized we had expired all words for the day, we simply exchanged smiles of appreciation for this encounter then stood up to prepare for our parting. The woman had no idea the kind of consolation she had brought me, and I wasn't confident I could put it into words. Instead, I looked over at the crate the elder gifted me, containing the bread and black currants, and offered it to the woman. Please, for you and your daughter, it is not much, but I'm sure it will find a good place for your feast, I said to her. The woman, struck with surprise, took the crate and thanked me three times over. We said our goodbyes for now, then went our separate ways into the evening light. I arrived home before dark and began lighting some of the candles on the windowsill. Though I came back empty-handed, 
I return with something far more valuable, the completion of my son's story. The woman's testimony of Caius's bravery brought me back to the conversation I had with the elder about the nativity of the Messiah, and then something dawned on me. The Son of Man came with armor as a vulnerable child. Caius removed his armor, making himself vulnerable to the flames. Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Father, even to the point of death, so that others might have salvation. Caius chose to be defenseless, humbling himself in order to save the life of this girl. What the elder said then is true. God truly was with him. And what is more, maybe this is the model for all humanity, to empty ourselves so that we might fully give up ourselves. The more I reflected on this, the more it became as clear to me, like parting clouds making way for the rays of the sun. Preparing our hearts is a process of anticipating the Messiah's coming by becoming like him. And thanks to my son and his witness, I have a pretty good idea of what that looks like now. No longer would I look upon his armor as a weight of sorrow, but a sign of sacrifice that begets hope, a sign that there is beauty in surrendering. As night drew on, I decided to give Kai's armor a cleaning. It took a bit of extra force to scrub the soot away from the breastplates until its shine returned. When I finished, it looked as new as when Caius had first put it on. Placing it on the wooden stand just under the window, I noticed Luke's gospel still sitting on the table. I lit another candle, then placed it next to the armor and took a seat with the gospel returned once more in my grasp. As I turned to the first page, my gaze fell upon these beginning words in Luke's gospel. For you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Reading these words again struck a different chord. It was as if Luke knew these stories would work their way into my life. And it has. When I think about it, the trying times that have surrounded me were never dealt with alone. I have met so many remarkable people along the way who have brought Christ to me. These scriptures came alive because Christ is alive and he has been pursuing me through it all. So filled was my heart at this moment that my soul began praying for the first time. Come Lord Jesus, come. Come with your blessed light to dispel the gloom of our hearts. May we look with eyes anew as we gaze upon the face of a child, the Christ, the Messiah. You teach us that humility conceives the truth, that it prepares the soul to embrace love's salvation. Remind us, O radiant dawn, O splendor of eternal light, it is not just a child, but love that is born tonight. Well, my friends, I am afraid this is where my story ends, for now at least. You see, if there is one thing I have learned in my encounter with Christ, it's that I still have much more to learn. My guess is, it will always be that way. But I hope you have come to realize the depth of truth in Luke's accounts as I have. Better yet, 
I hope it leads you to truth himself. Be prepared though, you will be confronted by many questions along the way. Questions like, what is worthy of contributing to a person's life story? When will God become more real to me? Or, how will I respond to the darkness that surrounds me, knowing that there is a God who is in control? Like the elder once told me, try not to solve all the mysteries of God in one day. Rather, allow him to help us, understanding that his response might be in contrast to how we want to be healed. That is how we bind peace in our hearts and in our world. Because, let's face it, we will never know how God will choose to heal us or where he will visit us throughout our day. We must persevere in the knowledge that we have a God who cares and allow him to care for us so that we might always be able to see these moments of invisible light. I'm open wide eyes. 
make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Spring from on high and cheer us by your drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow moves to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you. of humankind. Oh, bid our sad division cease, and before us our King of Peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, oh, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our website to discover other episodes at franciscanvoice.org.